so um, three weeks ago, we kicked off our fall teaching series called The Return of Jesus. And um, Dave really set us up well that uh, kind of helping us understand some of the barriers that we have to cross and that we have to kind of work through in order to even engage this conversation in the culture and the day and age that we live in. And he helped us understand that and, and set our eyes on, on where all of this is heading, where everything in human history is heading, which is God's people being back with God in the flesh, Jesus in the flesh. And so Jesus is wanting us to understand that that, that moment, that what everything is leading to for believers, it's comparable to the wedding day. And you think about what a wedding day is. Man, for it's the thing that you think about and the thing that you, you long for, the thing that you plan for. Last night, I was officiating a wedding here at Marathon. My first wedding to officiate. It was super cool uh, being here. And, and I was talking to a couple people who are part of our church family. And they had gotten married not too long ago. And they were talking about how, how for years and years, they're just adding details to the Pinterest board and you know just collecting ideas about what their wedding was going to be like. And I'm like, man, this is what we do, that, that we, we have these moments in life that we think about and we plan for, and, and it finally comes, and Jesus gives us this imagery that really hopefully captivates our heart, that it's like a wedding day for believers, that it's the thing that we, we long for. We long to be in his presence, to see his face, and so it's the greatest joy for believers being reunited back with Jesus. Two weeks ago, we, we looked at Matthew chapter 24, and, and we talked about the things that precede the return of Jesus. And so if you're with us, Jesus was having a conversation with, with his disciples and they're walking away from, from the temple that was in the heart of Jerusalem. And, and Jesus calls his attention, uh, the disciples' attention to the, to the temple. And he says, hey, I tell you, not one stone is gonna be left here. And the disciples walk away from the temple and they think about it and they, and they ask Jesus three questions. They say, Jesus, when is this gonna happen? And, and what's going to be the sign of your return and of the end of the age? And what you discover is that in the Old Testament, that these three things were so intricately connected that the, the destruction of the temple and the return of Jesus and the end of the age. And so they asked these really good questions to Jesus. And then in Matthew 24, Jesus goes on to answer their questions. And some of you, maybe you're playing catch up. You're like, wait, what is going on? Go back and listen to the podcast from a couple weeks ago. But, but Jesus says, hey, preceding my return, I want you to be aware of four things that are going to be happening on this earth. Things that you can see, things that, that you can be aware of, things that are not just for spiritual, not just for those who are, who are super close to God, that this is something that I want all of my people to be aware of. He says there are going to be disasters in the world. There are going to be deserters in the church. There's going to be a dictator in the Middle East, and there's going to be darkness in the sky. And Jesus said, after you see all of these things, then I will appear. Then will be the appearing of the Son of Man. That it's not going to be something that is hidden. It's not going to be something in secret. It says that every eye will see him, that Jesus is going to come riding on the clouds back to this earth. And, and it's this moment of joy. And we keep just anchoring our hearts. We keep anchoring our vision on, on that day, that moment of his return. But the reality is that we are living in a day, where, a day in an age where things are hard. Difficult things continue to arise. I don't know if you were following what's been going on in Israel this weekend. As Hamas launched this surprise attack on Israel, killing and injuring many kidnapping many. I mean, it's just so sad. 
And I don't know about you, but, but Courtney and I, our, our ears and our eyes are just open in a little bit different way as we're studying Matthew chapter 24. And I want to just encourage you, if, if you've been kind of tracking with the news, you've been tracking with us, man, this is not the abomination that causes desolation, but it is birth pains. So if you're with us two weeks ago, we, we talked about that language when, when there are wars and there are rumors of war and things are happening, Jesus gives us language to set us at ease, to, to make sense of what is going on around us. These are our birth pains and we need to be able to name it for, for what it is. But also, I don't want us to just uh, approach things like this academically. And here's what I mean. It's easy for me to go, oh yeah, Matthew 24, Jesus would see, said this would happen, and I see what's going on in the Middle East, and I go, okay, this is not it. And, and we are most certainly called to be informed and to come at it with informed understanding, but I also don't want us to divorce it from the heart. Man, that, that a lot of people were killed over the past couple of days in, in, in Israel and all over the world. But this morning, I, I really want us to, to think about this. We're gonna just take a minute, in just a minute, and we're gonna pray for the Jewish people. And you might be like, well, why are we praying for the Jewish people? Well, on, on one level, we're, we're praying that they would come to know Jesus. And that's what we do as God's people. People who know Jesus, who, who have the Holy Spirit, who are living in the grace of Jesus, that, that those who don't have Jesus, we pray that they would come to know him. It's the one of the things that, that, that is the heartbeats of our life, that if, if we're truly followers of Jesus, we want other people to follow him, amen? And so this morning, we're gonna just take a few minutes to pray for, for the Jewish people. So we're praying for them because they don't know Jesus. But there's also more to this. We're gonna get into it in our grow class that we're starting tonight and over the next couple of weeks, in particular about the significance of the Jewish people. And so this morning, here's what I want to invite us to do. And, and some of you are like, man, this is, I've never prayed for the Jewish people. And that's okay. There's a first time for everything. <laughs> but here's what I want us to do. I want us to just take a minute with the people around us and just to pray. I want us to, to pray a couple things. To pray that, that they would turn to Jesus. Pray that they would find comfort in him. Pray that he would comfort those today who are hurting. That he would comfort those who are fearful. And I want us to pray for Israel, but here, hear me clearly. I also want us to pray for Hamas. And that Jesus laid down his life for his enemies. Right? It's so beautiful about Jesus. It's, he didn't take someone's life. He laid down his and so as intently as we're praying for Jewish people, we want to pray for, for those who are in Hamas, that they would come to know Jesus as Messiah. And so for the next few minutes, I just want to invite you with the people around you, let's just spend some time just from the heart. And if your heart's not there, ask God to help your heart get there. What would it be like if, if you woke up this morning and, and someone in your family had died? What it would be like this morning if one of your kids had been kidnapped? What if you woke up this morning and you didn't know if missiles were gonna hit Nashville? You didn't know what? I mean, we would be living and feeling something way different this morning. So I wanna just invite us for the next few minutes to pray with the people around you and then I'll call us out of this time of prayer and, uh, and we'll get back into teaching. Does that sound good? Okay, let's, let's pray. Let's take a few minutes to pray. Father, I know that it just delights your heart right now to hear your kids praying for your kids who are not at home with you right now. And we are so grateful that, that we know you, Jesus. 
and, and how often I really take that for granted. And I'm, and I'm just so grateful, God, that, that you've pursued me, that you've pursued those in this room who know you, that you're pursuing all of us. God, I know that these prayers that have been prayed, that you hear them, that they bring joy to your heart because it's your desire to save all of your children. You, you hate there being war and, and senseless death and, and suffering, that it is not your heart, Jesus. God, you long for, for all people to come and know you, and you have been so faithful to the Jewish people from the very beginning. The Old Testament scriptures are just full of, of them wondering and you pursuing. And them wondering and you pursuing. And God, we just declare that you are a faithful God. You're so consistent and persistent. And Lord, we want to have that same heart. Not just towards the the Jewish people, but towards all people. And so God, would you continue to give us your heart? And God, may we be good stewards of what you've given to us, of the grace you've given to us, and not be arrogant. God, to be grateful, to let it erupt in praise, and that you would help us to, to, to live and to intercede and to give our lives for you so that all people would know you. Thank you for hearing these prayers. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. And thank you all so much for praying today. Um, we're going to pick up this morning in, in Matthew 24, where we left off um, two weeks ago. And uh, I'll, I'll kind of set it up like this. My, my oldest daughter, Finley, is uh, running cross-country this year. It's her first year running cross-country. And so every Monday, we're over at the Hermitage. And, um, and earlier this week, on Monday, my father-in-law and my youngest son, Jack, we, were, we got there early with Finley. She had to get there for, for you know, warm-ups and stuff. And so I um, put Jack in the stroller, and my father-in-law, my father-in-law and I are like, let's just walk around the trail. We've, we've never seen the trail that she runs on before. And so puts Jack in the stroller, and we're walking around the trail, and we're really just kind of getting a feel for the, for the trail, like you know, what to look out for, and where is it sunny, and where is it shady, and, and really just kind of getting a feel so that we could come back and coach her. And so, you know, he and I are talking like we're just some brilliant cross-country runners or something, and, you know, strategists, and we come back, and, and we sit, uh, you know, we, we get to Finley, and we just start sharing her all the things that we've just seen on the course, like, hey, you know, avoid this, and, and when you get here, this is a, a great point to pass people. And we, and we told her, hey, when you, when you get to this mile marker, there's going to be a, a, a hairpin turn where you're going to come around some trees, and when you hit that hairpin turn, that is a time that you need to just, you know, you know just go for it. You got about 200 yards downhill there, and then when you get to the bottom of that hill, it's about 150 yards left, and just give it all that you've got. And so, you know, we're telling her these things and, and it was so fun cheering her at the race. Man, you want to have fun? Come watch Courtney cheer for Finley at the race. That's maybe more fun than anything. And so, you know, Finley's running and we see her listening to our advice that she comes around that turn and she's just running as hard as she can and she finishes. She ran a seven minute, 20 second mile, which is really great, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Thanks, Sam. Yeah. And, and it was so proud of her and, and it was so cool and just, just kind of celebrating with her afterwards. And, and I go, man, just thinking about that whole moment. Why did we walk the trail? Why did we coach her? It's not because, you know, we're not satisfied with how she's doing right now. No, we just, we wanted her to be ready. 
And she's really never done this before. Like she's run at that, that trail before, but this is her first year running cross country. And so we wanted to, to coach her so that she could be ready, so that she knew when to, to press in and when not to hold back. And, and ultimately, we just wanted her to finish well. We wanted her to be ready for the race, to know what was coming and to finish well. And it's that same sentiment that just really surrounds all of Matthew 24. (laughs) That if we can understand this, that it's the father's heart that knows exactly what's coming for his children. (laughs) And it's the father's desire that we run this race well in life, that we don't just survive it, but that we thrive. And it doesn't mean that life is easy, but it means that we keep our eyes on him and we live lives full of joy and purpose. And it's out of his deep desire for us to run this race well, and not just to run it well, but to finish well. That this whole conversation is about our father sitting us down and going, I want you to be ready. Where we pick up this morning in verse 32, Jesus is answering the questions that the disciples had asked the beginning in Matthew 24. Hey, when is this going to happen? When's the temple going to be destroyed? When, what's going to be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Look with me at verse 32. This might have been the longest intro ever. Thank you for hanging with me. Starting in verse 32, the words of Jesus. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, When you see all these things, you know that he is near, right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. You know, one of my favorite things in early spring in Tennessee is when the buds start to reappear on the trees. We have these two beautiful maple trees in our front yard and in November and December is marked by the kids and I raking these leaves and making huge leaf piles. And then the all of winter is us just looking out our front window and seeing these bare trees. And, and, and I love it because right around the turn of spring, you start to see just these sprouts just bursting out of the branches. There's color and there's growth and there's joy. And I know that when those things, those buds start to appear, spring is almost here. And Jesus looks at us and he says, guys, you know that when you see new life on the tree, the season is changing. He said, even so, when you see all these things, you know that I am right at the door. In verse 34, he says, truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. And I want us to notice this. Jesus, two different times, here in these two verses says all these things. Okay, so if you're tracking with me in verse 33, he says, when you see all of these things, and then in verse 34, he says, this generation will not pass away until all these things have happened. And so if Jesus mentions all these things twice, it's important that we know what he's talking about. What are all these things? What is he talking about? And these are the four signs that we talked about two weeks ago. Jesus says that when you see disasters in the world and when you see deserters in the church, Christians who have 
fallen out of love with Jesus and who quit following him. And when you see a dictator rise up in the Middle East that, that starts an unparalleled persecution of Jews and Christians all over the world, starting in Jerusalem, and when you see the sky go dark, when you see all of these things, the return is near. He says, when you see all these things, I am at the door. There's a difference when someone's coming over for dinner and they're on their way compared to when they're at the front door. And Jesus says, when you see all these things, I'm at the door. Verse 34 is, is one of those verses where people who love and follow Jesus have different interpretations. I mean, the ESV study Bible, Bible that, I, that I use, one of the sources that I use to prepare when I'm teaching, it has a little section at the bottom and it said that there are five different ways that people view verse 34. So I don't wanna come here and be like, guys, this is so easy to understand. It's so simple. Everyone gets it because that's not the case, right? Like, I don't wanna come up here and sound arrogant. Look at verse 34 with me though, because I do think it's important and I wanna share what I believe it means. And so this is what Jesus says. He says, truly I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. And some people who love and follow Jesus read this and, and, and they really believe that Jesus is talking to those disciples. He's saying, hey, you, your generation, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, you will not pass away until you see these things. It's why some people believe that what Jesus is talking about here happened back in 70 AD with the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. And there's some, some work around, you know, what, what do you do with the darkness and the sky piece? And it has to do with timing. And, and, and that, honestly, that's how I, I came to this passage for a long time in my life. But the more that I've looked at this, the more that I've studied this, I don't think Jesus was saying to Peter and Andrew and James and John and the disciples, I don't think he was saying, hey, you guys are gonna see all these things. So Jesus uses this language and, and he says, this generation, he doesn't say your generation. Okay, and I want you guys to, to really think about this. Don't just take my word for it. It's, it's important that, that you, man, you have a Bible and you have the ability to listen and to study and to pray. Don't just take my word from it. You have to really wrestle some of these things out. This is what I believe. I believe that Jesus is saying that, that the generation that is on the earth, when he returns, will see all these things. What things? Disasters and deserters and dictator and darkness followed by his return. I think what Jesus is saying is that that generation on earth We'll see all these things. And what that means is that there will be a generation, that there will be people on the earth when Jesus returns. And that generation, whoever it is, they need to be ready to recognize the signs of the season. Just like the fig tree is an indicator when it buds that a new season is coming, Jesus says you need to be able to recognize the spiritual season that you're living in. The truth is, and here it is, um, this might not be our generation. The truth is we might, we might all die. We might all pass away and, and not be on earth when Jesus returns. But we know that there will be a generation on earth when Jesus returns. He's not gonna come back to just a, a dead earth, like everyone's dead. Jesus calls us to be aware and ready in our generation to not be lax about it. You know, it's been a long time. It's been 2,000 years since Jesus was on earth. And, and a lot of Christians have taken the posture, oh, he's just gonna come back sometime. And some people are like, hey, he's mocking him and scoffing him. He's not ever coming back. And Jesus says, no, you need to be ready. 
You need to be aware of the season that you're in. You need to be able to discern the changing of the spiritual season. And Jesus says, if it's not your generation, you need to prepare the next generation so that they're ready. Jesus looks at us and he says, learn the lesson from the fig tree. Know the season. Let's keep going in verse 36. About that day or hour, no one knows. Not the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. All right, the, the point of, of this isn't to go. You know what? Jesus says that we can't know the day or the hour. So I guess that just erases everything that he just said previously. If we can't know the day or hour, I guess we just can't know anything. And, and I want us to be really clear. Jesus doesn't just undo and undermine all that he has just said. Listen, the point isn't that we know the specific day or hour. The main point that Jesus is wanting to drive home is that we would recognize the season. Many, many people, Christians, have tried to do exactly what Jesus said couldn't be done. I think it's hilarious. So many Christians throughout the years have predicted his return is gonna be on this year, it's gonna be on this day. And of course they're wrong. And it's so interesting because why do Christians keep doing this? When Jesus clearly says, no one is gonna know the day, why are we wasting our time? And I wonder how many of us, if we're being super honest, why we haven't engaged this conversation or maybe why you're having a hard time engaging this conversation today or over the past couple of weeks. Maybe a reason that you're not coming to this with an open heart or with an open mind is because of date setting. I'm not gonna ask you to, ro to raise your hand, but, but man, how many of us, we just kind of roll our eyes at this whole conversation? How many of us have just thrown out this whole conversation and just kind of gone, you know what? We can't know the hour or day. I'm just gonna go about my life. And, and here's what I wanna say. I don't believe we can know the hour. Jesus says this. Dave doesn't believe this. Our elders spent three years studying this. Our elders don't believe that we can know the day or the hour, but I want you to hear me very clearly. We really believe that we are supposed to know the season. For some reason, the father knew that what was best for us is that we needed to, to be able to recognize the season and not necessarily be caught up on the day itself. My personal belief is that Jesus does this so that as we see the season changing, as we see all these things unfolding, we're able to use the scriptures, scriptures that were literally written thousands of years ago and that the scriptures themselves would be the thing that helps the unbelieving world see God's unfolding plan. That as things are unfolding, we're not, we're, not, we're not going, you know what, I had this vision or I had this dream that something was gonna happen. We're going, no, hey, it happened. It's, Jesus said it right here. Like he, he said that it would happen right here in the scriptures. And, and, and my belief is that highlighting the season is God's mercy. It, it gives one last runway for his lost children to come home to turn to Jesus before it's too late. Let's keep going, verse 37. You guys hanging with me this morning? Yeah. 
As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill. One will be taken and the other left. And let's just be honest. That's like, what is going on there? Like, I think it's interesting that Jesus references Noah. And he compares his coming back and, and what it will be like on the earth like the days preceding the flood of Noah. Jesus says that, that people knew nothing of the flood. A couple of things here. Um, you know who did know the flood was coming? Noah. Um, the, the flood wasn't a surprise to Noah and his family. That God comes to Noah and, and he tells him to, to build this massive boat because a, because a flood was coming. And so Noah, in faith and in fear of the Lord, does exactly what God asked him to do. So that when the flood waters came, you know who wasn't surprised? You know who wasn't shocked? You, you know who wasn't going, man, what in the world is happening? Noah. God prepared him. Noah took it seriously. And because he did, he and his family experienced the incredible grace of God. You see, it wasn't that, that Noah knew nothing. It wasn't that everyone knew nothing. It was, it was a people um, besides Noah who knew nothing, who weren't ready, who were surprised. Everyone else in that generation knew nothing of what was coming. And I think we can look at other passages of scripture that talk about Noah to give us some context here. And so our brother Peter in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5 says this. He calls Noah a preacher of righteousness. Which I want you to hear this. It, it, it means that it wasn't that the generation that was swept away in the flood wasn't informed by Noah about what was to come. It was that the generation did nothing with what they heard from Noah. They did nothing with it. Can you imagine how many conversations Noah had? Hey, Noah, what are you doing today? Why are you building that boat? A flood's coming. God told me to be ready. He told me to build this boat because he wants to save me and he wants to spare anyone who will get on this boat. Do you want on the boat? Wait, a flood's coming? In the desert? Wait, you're meaning to tell me, Noah, that you actually believe that God is gonna destroy all people? I didn't say that. No, not all people. Just those who don't get on the boat. Do you want on the boat? Wait a minute, Noah, what, what kind of a God would destroy all people like that? How can you wanna follow a God that would destroy all people? He's not gonna destroy all people. If you get on the boat, you're safe. He actually wants to save all people. That's why I'm building this massive boat. Do you want on the boat? He's actually incredibly kind, incredibly gracious. My, my God knows what is coming. He's preparing us. Do you want on the boat? That's not a loving God at all that would destroy the world. No, he's incredibly loving. Dude, Noah, you've been out in the sun too long. 
No, I don't want anything to do with a God that would judge and destroy innocent people. He doesn't destroy innocent people. Man, he, he invites you to respond, to get on the boat. He wants to save people. Whatever, Noah. You just wonder how many conversations he had as a preacher of righteousness. How many people in Noah's day refused to see that the problem was not God. The problem was, in fact, how distorted people were seeing God. It's all about perception. They, they refused to see and to think about and to thank God and to praise God that God would make a way for salvation. And instead of thanking God for his mercy for this boat, instead of thanking God that he would prepare People in his generation stood off and mocked him and judged the Lord and said, I don't want anything to do with a God who would destroy. And it was ultimately about people not responding in faith. People who didn't get close enough to actually experience the heart of God. You see, in that same way, Jesus says to us, hey, just like Noah knew the flood was coming. You too know the things to be looking for. You know what's coming. You know the signs to be aware of. You, you know the one who's gonna come on the clouds. You know that, 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 that he's gonna come back to this earth. You know, you know him. I mean, Nick, you, you know Jesus. Abby, you know Jesus. The one who, who, who cleansed you of all your sin and who, who, who brought you back to the Father. You, you know him. You know the one who's, whose mercy has come to you over and over and over again, John. You know his heart. You know his character. You know that he has sent us to be his witnesses to the world. That in Jesus there is forgiveness. In Jesus there is life. In Jesus there is comfort. In Jesus there is hope. And he has sent us to be his people into the world, to the ends of the earth, so that all people would know the grace of God, so that all people would know, get on the boat, come to know Jesus. And Jesus says, just like in the days of Noah, people weren't listening so people will be the same in the generation leading up to his return. We know in Matthew 24, 14, that the gospel will have gone to every single people group in the entire world before Christ returns. And so hear me very clearly, it's not about access. It's about what people do with the information, with the gospel. Man, a couple of, of, of tertiary points that I wanna just help clear up in this passage, not main things, but just a couple things I wanna speak into. You know, Some of you are like, wait, um, marriage and getting married? I'm getting married next weekend. Does this mean I shouldn't get married? And eating and drinking, are we supposed to fast until you know, all these things go down? And, and I go, I mean, he's not telling us to quit getting married and to quit eating and drinking. No, I think what he's doing is he's speaking to a deeper reality that so often the good things in life make us take our eyes off the most important thing in life. And I think it's just a word of caution for us. In the midst of the good things in life, man, don't let those things drown out our love and our commitment to Jesus. The words from Mark chapter four are important here that Jesus said that the thing that, there, he talks about four different types of seed and he talks about one seed that was choked out and he says that the worries of life and the pleasures and the desire for other things are what chokes out 
being efficient and effective for God. And so just be aware. Be aware when we're living in a culture of of comfort and ease. Be aware of of our tendency to worship things and to take our eyes off of Jesus and and how we can become so conditioned and how we can even turn against him. And so the word for us is, hey, in the midst of good things in Nashville, keep your eyes on the best thing. And when you notice that getting off, man, repent, just come back. Verse 40 and 41, it says that, that, that in that day, people are gonna be taken, that there's gonna be two people in a field, one's taken, and two people are gonna be working in a hand mill. You're like, what's a hand mill? Exactly. And, and this is not the rapture, okay? Um, this story is, is not God taking out good people and taking them to heaven so they don't have to go through hard things. That's not what is going on here. The people who are being taken away are compared to those who are swept away in the flood in Noah's generation, meaning You don't want to be the one taken. Okay, it's not super applicable for us today, but just wanted you to be clear about what was going on in this passage. Let's let's finish up. I've been talking a long time. Verse 42. This will end today, these last three verses. Therefore, keep watch. Jesus says, therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day the Lord will come. We agree on that. We don't know the day, right? Be aware of the season. Verse 43, but understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready because the son of man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. And so, man, the big takeaway for us here is that we are to be watching and ready. I think it's super interesting. It's an interesting um, analogy that Jesus chooses to use here, that, that his coming is like a thief in the night. And let's just be honest, that's not very comforting, right? Like, that's not just this peace-inducing sentiment for us. And, and let me talk about it like this. And so um, several years ago, my oldest daughter, Finley, loves to, to read. And so we'd get in this habit at night where we would, we would read. And she got into to wanting more than just, you know, little storybooks. And so we started reading Chronicles of Narnia, read through all of Narnia. She loved it. Um, Andrew Peterson does this really great book called The Wingfeather Saga. And so we pick up the Wingfeather Saga. And the first night, you know, I'd read through Narnia before. I'd never read through Wingfeather Saga. Wingfeather Saga starts out like this. I want you to picture this. I'm in my kid's bedroom, sitting in a chair. You know, my kids, you know, Finley, Jones, and Merritt are all sharing a room right now. And, and I'm opening this book and I kid you not, the story starts out with this black carriage in the middle of the night that comes and takes children from their beds. And I'm like, you know what? Probably should have read this one first before just jump right into reading this to my kids. And, you know, and so, you know, fumble on dad's part, most certainly. And, 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 it, and it's interesting because uh, let, me, let me turn us to 1 Thessalonians chapter five real quick to just give us a little bit of context. And this is what, this is what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians five. He says, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we don't need to write to you for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night while people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. Listen to verse four, but you brothers and sisters are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. Jesus' coming is not gonna feel like a thief coming in the night to those of us who love him. 
It, it's not gonna feel like a thief coming in the night for those of us who put our faith in him and who have, who have cultivated our ear to, to listening to God and, and to wanting to know the will of God and to wanting to lay down our lives in this life all for God's glory. It's not gonna be a moment of, of, of fear and panic. It's not gonna be like a thief breaking in your house. For followers of Jesus, this moment's gonna be the wedding. It's gonna be glorious. But he is gonna feel like a thief in the night to those who don't know him. To those who in this life have rejected him, have mocked him, have kept him at arm's distance, it is gonna be like a thief in the night. Let's land this plane. So, so what do we do with all this? You know, this, this teaching of Jesus is, is not meant to stir up panic in our hearts. These words are meant to, to instill peace in us. I've been wrestling with this text for several years, and if I'm being honest, as, as I've studied this, there have been so many moments where I've just gotten really scared and worried. and like, man, what is, what is this gonna feel like? And if things are gonna get harder, if there's gonna be periods that, man, it's, it's tough for us and for our kids, man, how am I preparing? How am I preparing our kids? How are we preparing our church? How are we preparing the next generation to, to stand strong and to burn bright for Jesus? And if I'm being honest, there've been so many times where I've been looking at this and I've just had this sense of panic come up in my heart. But this week, the Lord, for whatever reason, started to shift something in my heart. That he doesn't want us as his people as his beloved to, to have fear. He wants us to have peace. Man, that our father knows the trail ahead. He knows what's coming. He knows what, what, what it looks like for us to, to run this race well, in order for us to finish well, in order for us to help other people in this life finish well. And his call to us is be ready. And you're like, be ready for what? We're gonna take the next five weeks to look practically at, man, well, what does it look like? So I understand we're looking for the signs. We are to be aware of the season. I got that. But, but, but beyond just our mind and our eyes, what we're looking for, how does it affect our day-to-day -day life? How does it affect my marriage? How does it affect the way that I raise kids? How does it affect the way that I interact in my workplace? How does it interact with the, the way that I, I live with my roommate? And we're gonna talk through all of these things. Kids are excited about that. This story is, these words of Jesus are meant to instill peace in us. And so if you don't have peace, ask Jesus, why? Is it fear? Man, ask him to root out the fear. Ask him to replace that fear with confidence and gratitude that he's prepared us before. The second thing that I think this teaching is supposed to make us do is, is to give us a Psalm 139 moment where David says, Lord, would you search my heart? Lord, is there anything offensive that I'm doing right now? Is there anything I'm doing right now, God, that offends you? Is there anything about my life that I need to adjust? And I go, if you're, if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you come here and, and you realize, man, may, maybe some of you, you've never heard of him before, and I invite you to, 
to come all the way in. Give your life to him. Be filled with his spirit. Experience his grace. Some of you, though, you've heard of Jesus over and over and over again. And if you're just being really honest, you've ignored him. You don't like the thought of of having to give up autonomy in your life. You don't like the idea of submitting your your life to Jesus' lordship. You don't like the idea of having to make adjustments in your life. And I just encourage you, come to God. Experience his mercy and his grace. Some of you have heard about God, but you don't actually know God. You don't know him personally. I encourage you to to come to know personally the one who died for you. The one who made a way for you to come back to the Father. The one who's come to forgive all of your sins. The one who's come to, to fill you afresh with hope and joy and life. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, but you want to be or you want to know more, here in just a minute, we're gonna take communion and there are gonna be some men and women at the respond banner to my left. Come and talk to them. Or you might not feel comfortable talking to them. I'm telling you, they're amazing people. They're trustworthy. They're gonna keep your things that you share quiet. They're not gonna go put your stuff on Instagram. They're gonna honor you in the way that, that you share. I encourage that if you don't feel safe, man, share with someone that you came with. If you're not a follower of Jesus, man, let today be the day of salvation. And for those of you who are followers of Jesus, I really just encourage you, go, man, is, is there a sin that you need to confess today? Is there a focus in your life that you need to regain? Is there help that you need? Some come this morning and you're just in the valley of life and you need some brothers and sisters to just pray for you, set your eyes on Jesus to remind you that you're gonna get through this valley that, that we're here with you. And so I just encourage you as we're taking communion, if you need prayer, come receive prayer. If you wanna just pray with the people around you, that'd be amazing. All right. I invite you to stand up. I want to pray for us. And I'll invite us to go and get communion and receive prayer. And so, Lord, man, I just, I pray, God, for, for your words to just produce the fruit that you tell us it will. In Isaiah 55, you say that your word doesn't return void. God, for those who feel the nudge to, to move closer to you today, God, let them do that. Let them turn from sin and from rebellion and from living outside of the Father's house and let them come experience you. And God, for every person here today, every follower of Jesus, God, would you just reignite the flame and the focus in our lives for you. As we take this bread, as we drink this cup, we are so grateful that you made the way, Jesus. That is what you did for us in dying, raising from the dead that gives us hope gives us confidence. And so we praise you and we love you. And just like in Luke 24, when, when the believers were eating the bread is when their eyes were open, would you open people's eyes today to see you in a fresh way, fresh love. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. Let's go and take communion now and come back to your seats or receive prayer at the respond banner.